0: in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So some of this, like I said, is a pretty familiar passage to a lot of us, but I want to look at it in light of that thanksgiving. It's kind of right smack in the middle of the passage, and I think it's because it, it's a hinge. It's a pivot point. It's one of those things where if you miss that, the rest of it kind of falls flat. And so let's start looking through this passage. We're just going to take it verse by verse and just look at a couple quick things. The way that, that Paul laid this out for us is he gives us the command first, and then he gives us the instructions on how to actually fulfill the command. First, he says, hey, here's where we're going. And then he says, now here's how we're going to get there. And in first, verse 4, he gives us part of, how, of where we're going. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This word rejoice can be a little different for us. Like most of you, guys know that the Bible wasn't written in English, correct? It was written in ancient Hebrew and Greek. How many of you speak ancient Greek. Me neither. Google is super duper helpful with this. But sometimes we hear a word in English and it makes us think one thing, when actually the meaning in the original language was a different direction. And rejoice can be one of those. Most of the times when we hear the word rejoice, we think feel happy. Like, feel happy in the Lord always. I will say it again, feel happy. Be overwhelmed with joy. How good are you at producing overwhelming amounts of joy? As a command, that's kind of mean for Paul to just go, hey, feel this certain way. I can't produce feelings. They, they kind of naturally come on their own. Just like you ever felt angry and just thought, try, just stop it. Stop feeling angry. Good luck. Then I just get angry at myself because I can't stop being angry and the whole thing snowballs. We can't produce emotions. So when Paul commands us, he can't be commanding us to feel an emotion, to feel a certain way. There's got to be a different take to it. And so in in the original Greek, this word rejoice is tied to the word grace. Charis is the, the Greek word for grace, speaking of the unmerited favor of God. And the word rejoice is actually kind of a compound word with the word "caris," And what it means is this, delight in the grace of the Lord. Now that's something that I can choose to do. It doesn't mean feel happy. It means choose to delight in the grace of the Lord. So think of it this way. What if the passage said, delight in the Lord's grace always. I will say it again, delight in his grace that's something I can start to get my head around a little bit. Do I have to be super happy to choose to delight in the grace of the Lord? No. I mean, would it help? Certainly. On a good day when the sun is shining, is that going to be an easier thing to do? Yes. But Paul wasn't writing to this, this letter to this church on a great day when everything was going great. There's some hard things that he's commanding this church in here. There was infighting with this church. There was persecution happening to this church. And Paul tells them, in the midst of all of this, there's this passage we're looking at, and he says, delight in the grace of the Lord, even in the middle of these other circumstances. And anytime time the scripture repeats itself, they do that for emphasis. Back in the, in the Hebrew and Greek cultures, they didn't have exclamation points like we do, so they would repeat themselves by way of showing, don't miss this. And so he just gets done telling them there's these two church leaders who are fighting, and he's trying to help them work through it. And then he tells them, choose to delight in the Lord's grace. Always, I'm going to say it again, delight in the grace of the Lord. This is a command from Paul. Therefore, it's a choice that we are called to make, to delight in the Lord's grace. And then he goes on in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We're going to deal with the gentleness piece here in a minute. I want to focus on the Lord is near. Again, this was not sent in an easy time. This is one of those things where Paul is trying to illustrate for us everything's not going smashingly. He needed to remind them, don't lose sight. The Lord is near. Some other translations say the Lord's coming is near. He was trying to remind them, don't let your eyes get fixed on all of this going on around you. Delight in the grace of the Lord because he is near to you. This was a difficult time for the church. They needed to be reminded that the Lord was near and that he cared for them. We're going to find in the beginning of the next verse, which we'll look at here in a second, he's telling them look, there's all kinds of anxiety producing circumstances around you. Don't let your eyes get fixed on them. Focus on the Lord. He's near, and he's calling you to delight in the grace that he, as as 1 John says, lavishes on us. Isn't it so easy to get your eyes focused on circumstances? Whether it's the news, whether it's things at work, whether it's difficulties in family, in relationships, whatever it is, it is so easy to get our eyes focused down here, and then the anxiety comes. Then the depression comes. Then the anger and the bitterness come. And what Paul is saying, he goes, look, here's the command. Focus your eyes on the Lord and delight in the grace he's given you. He'll say later, we're we're not going to go this far, but in in verse 8 through 10, he tells them if anything is noble and righteous and pure and excellent, think on these things. Essentially, lift your eyes and delight in the grace of the Lord, even in the midst of difficult circumstances as we're going to take some time and and give thanks here in a little bit, 2020 has been full of difficult circumstances. Amen? If you can't amen that church, I don't know what we're doing. It's been a tough year, whether because pandemics and masks and distancing, for many of us with jobs, with travel and family, for just life to feel like life, it's been a difficult year. It's been an anxiety-producing year, or at least it's had the potential for it. And Paul would give us the same encouragement. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's the goal. That's where we're heading. That's what Paul is calling us to, to lift our eyes. But he doesn't just leave us there. He goes, let me now tell you how. Let me give you some instruction. Because just having the goal, man, it feels so far away, Paul. Like, I hear you and I want to do that, but how do I get from here anxious, bitter, angry, selfish, whatever it may be, how do I get from here to there? And in verse 6, he gives us a key. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, look, when those anxious feelings start to come on, when the circumstances around you start to get dark and the anxiety starts to come up, that what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Starts to rise within you. He says, stop, stop, stop. There is nothing in this world worthy of being anxious over because again, the Lord is near. So what he tells us is this, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that sounds pretty simple, right? He just means pray, right? If you start to get anxious, just pray, right? Kind of, but he gives us some specifics here to look at. He gives us like a threefold way of approaching God, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. He says, when you approach God with all of these, he makes a promise that we're going to look at here in a minute. But prayer is simply communicate with him, bring your struggles to him. Lord, I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that your word is true. You are near. I know you call me to rejoice, but I'm not really sure how. I want to bring these and just lay them at your feet. I want to walk through this with you. Prayer is really just conversation with God. We talk about communion. Communion really is just relating on a very personal level. That's prayer to bring your concerns, your worries, your anxieties, your difficult circumstances, and to lay them at his feet and start by just going, Lord, you already know it, but I'm going to tell you anyway, here's my situation. Here's what I'm scared of. Here's what I'm angry about. Here's what makes me anxious. Here's what makes me lose sleep at night. I want to come and just lay it at your feet. Prayer. And then petition. Or or some of your translations may say supplication which is a really big theological word. If you throw that out in prayers, people will go, oh, okay. Which is why I don't ever use it. But this translation says petition, which I think is a really clear uh, translation. To petition the Lord. To say, Lord, here's my situation. I know you call me to rejoice. I know you call me to not feel anxious. Here's my situation. I'll lay at your feet. And the petition being, Lord, if I had my way, here's what I would love to see happen. Lord, if you're asking for suggestions, here's what I would suggest. We see uh, Jesus petitioned the Lord uh, in the, the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross. And he says, Lord, I know you've got a plan. I know that everything that's happening happens according to your will. But Jesus kind of said, I'm scared. I don't want to go to the cross. In his flesh, he was going, this is, I know what this is going to be like. And I'm laying it at your feet. I don't want this to happen And he even says, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, if there's, or excuse me, Jesus saying to the Lord, if there's a plan B, let's go with that. That's my will. That's my petition. But then Jesus says the most beautiful thing, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't come in just going, like putting a stiff upper lip and going, okay, God, whatever you want, I can take it. He came and he said, this this is killing me. He was anxious about the cross, and he brought it to his father, and he said, you know exactly how I feel. You know exactly where I'm at, and if there's another way, I want to do that. But in the end, not my will, but yours. We can petition the Lord in the same way. Lord, here's the job situation, the family situation, uh, the health situation, whatever they may be. I'm bringing you in. I'm laying it at your feet. You say you're in this with me. Here's my situation. God, here's what I would love to see happen. I would love to see healing. I would love to see a new job. I would love to see family restored. I would love to see those things. God, that's what's on my heart. But just like Jesus prayed, but in the end, I trust you. Your will be done, not mine. But so often we feel like we can't bring petition to the Lord because, oh, we don't want to boss him around or he's already got a plan. Why would we bother even talking? He's going to do what he's going to do anyway, right? Not according to Scripture. Prayer moves the hand of God. We're told to bring our our situations to him, lay them at his feet, and tell him how we truly feel about it. This is what I want to see happen, God. This is what my heart longs for in this situation. But I trust you. And then this pivotal piece. Those first two can come pretty naturally for us. Many of us have been taught when you get into a difficult situation, you pray. You tell God about your situation and you ask him to help. That's a pretty natural thing for us if you've been in the church for long at all. We don't always remember to do it right away. But we hear that and we go, duh, yeah, I know that one. But this is the piece that we often miss. With thanksgiving. Let me read the the whole verse 6 again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. To come in this and to go, God, I'm nervous about this situation. I'm not sure what to do. This frightens me. This is out of control. This is whatever it is. Lay it down. Here's what I want to see happen. And then to spend some time thanking God for what he's already done. What this does is it builds faith in us to remember how the Lord has been faithful in the past. To remember the things that he's already done forces you to lift your eyes from your current situation and to focus on him. And now I can begin to delight in his grace. God, this is an uncertain situation, but I thank you that we've been here before and and you didn't let me down. I was scared then, just like I'm scared now. But you have always come through. Thank you, God. Lord, I've seen you, maybe I haven't experienced this before, but I've seen you come through in other people's lives in this way. And I thank you for the way that you came through for him and for her. Would you come through in the same way? We miss this thanksgiving peace. It's not a natural thing for most of us. Thanksgiving is something I struggle with. When I spend times with the Lord just trying to give thanks, I get about two or three things deep, and then I start to go, what else have you done? What else have you done? As if he hasn't done a ton. But it's so unnatural for me. It's something that I need to practice regularly because I'm not good at it. I'm real good at looking at the circumstances around me and figuring out how to fix them. I'm real bad at looking back and going, man, you came through this way, and you came through this way, and you came through this way. But this is that pivotal piece that helps us to get our eyes off of our circumstances, off of those anxieties and fears, and to focus on him and to be able to delight in his grace. Is this making sense, church? Okay, you got masks on. I need some, yep. All right. So now let's look at the payoff. Verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is an an if-then statement. What Paul is saying is like, look, we're, we're aiming for rejoicing in every situation. So if you will choose to present your request to the Lord through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, then you will receive a peace that, think of these words, that transcends understanding. A peace beyond imagination. A peace bigger than your circumstance even calls for. A peace that people look at you and go, how? After this and this and this just happened, how could you possibly have peace? I don't understand. And you see the doors that this begins to open for the Lord to be praised and for the kingdom to advance because we're a people who choose to live presenting everything to the Lord with thanksgiving, and we receive his peace. You see, This thing that Paul's talking about, it's not just the power of positive thinking. If you would just choose to be a a cup half full kind of person, if you just choose to, to, to be the person that's just real thankful in life, what he's saying is, look, when you come and you obey the command of the Lord and you bring your circumstance to him with the choice of thanksgiving in your heart, you will receive peace, a supernatural peace. Let's jump back up what Paul said in verse five. He mentioned, Let your gentleness be evident to all. He, he's saying, Look, an, another byproduct of this is that people are going to see, again, a supernatural gentleness and peace. Where have we seen peace and gentleness put together in the scriptures before? Anyone want to take a stab? That has to do with fruit. Hey, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. What he's listing here is two of the fruits of the Spirit. How do we receive the fruits of the Spirit? We muster them up real hard ourselves, right? We draw near to the Lord, and we receive them from Him in supernatural amounts. See, the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we hear that and we think love, joy, peace. Okay, i got to be real loving. i got to put on a smile and be real joyful. What he's talking about is not what we can muster. But when we receive these things from the Lord, it is in supernatural amounts. Both supernatural in quality and in quantity. This isn't, hey, try to muster your own peace by praying. This is lay the things down at the Lord. Give the Lord thanks and receive in return an unnatural peace, a supernatural peace. Choosing to delight in his grace towards us instead of wallowing in anxiety. I forget where I heard this, but years ago, um, someone shared, it was probably during a message that I heard, And they said, you know, the only difference between worry and prayer is where you point it. Worry is me praying to myself. How am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to make this situation better? Prayer is simply pointing those same concerns and going, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do? How are you going to move? Here's my situation. You know about it. Here's what I think would be best. But, Lord, your will be done. Thank, for, thank you for the ways you've always come through in the past. It's taking the same concerns, pointing them to Him, and what I receive instead is not the best I can do, but the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't take the amount of faith that we have and give us that much peace. That's, that's the beauty of this. God is unfair in the way that He pours out the fruit of His Spirit. He doesn't go, okay, you were this faithful, so I'll give you this much fruit. He goes, You brought this much faith to me. Look at what I'll give you. More than you can understand. More than makes sense in a situation because you brought your meager faith, your faith the side of a mustard seed to me. I'll move a whole mountain. This is the kind of peace that he offers, but we miss it oftentimes because we miss that Thanksgiving peace. We just say, Lord, here's my situation. Do something, and we move on. Let me. Before we move into our time of sharing, what I want to do is I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. No one's going to jump out at you. Some people have a thing about closing their eyes in a public place. We'll all stay in our seat. It will be okay. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm just going to read the same passage we've read in three different translations, uh, hoping that the Lord just, just uses these different takes on the same passage to minister to our heart. And then I'm just going to open it up Uh, for us as a family, to just give thanks of what we've seen the Lord do over this past day, week, month, year. So let me read these to you. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 in the New American Standard Version. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In the English Standard Version. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So now, church, we want to just take opportunity to do exactly what the word says and spend time just giving thanks. So again, these microphones are on for you to just come up and just share a simple word of thanks. And listen, this is for young and old. This is for uh, new believers and old ones. If kids have things to be thankful for, we want to praise the Lord with them. Small things, big things, whatever they may be, let's give the Lord thanks.